you can develop a door handle. It looks super cool. You can print it, you know, in a couple of hours, but to hand shape a metal door handle is <laughs> take you all day. And then you go to the customer, like that's $900. And like, oh. <laughs> yeah. They'd be like, yeah, you can keep that. You can, that's your uh, door handle. <laughs> door handle now. So. so I think like the old world way of hot rod building is kind of, it's not going to work that much anymore. Like you need to think so much deeper into things nowadays and with a level of you know craftsmanship and quality that everybody is striving for now like they should be at least then i don't think the old way the old way just can't cut it anymore you can't do it fast enough welcome to another episode of modify with trick factory customs if this is your first time watching my name is elvis tim rob awesome and on this podcast we uh, talk about modified cars and modifying cars because we are a custom shop based here in coquitlam british columbia canada and uh with that said we're talking on the topic of is traditional hot rodding dead is it dying um and is it taking being taken over by uh 3d computer aided design uh, all of that because back what I don't want to call you guys old, but <laughs> you guys have been through uh, the traditional hot rodding. You guys started out as traditional hot rodders, and I that's what the term OG, the OG that's original OG, gangsters. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> OGs. Okay, yeah, the OG hot rodders. OGs. Yeah, but uh, in today's world, in the modern age of technology, um, it's pretty much take on. Um, it's almost taken over the way people do things or used to traditionally fabricate or do things there's things like 3d printing and 3d scanning 3d scanners CNC machines a bunch of other things and so we're gonna dive into how that has changed uh the world of hot rodding and if the traditional part of things or traditional building cars that we know of is dead or not but before we dive into that uh how have you guys been all week what, what have you guys been up to <laughs> well Based on our topic that we're going to discuss today, that's pretty much been what's consumed my week. <laughs> it's just going back together, back and forth with computer render guys, getting renders sorted out, getting different pieces designed in space. <laughs> I know, in non-existent <laughs> Yeah, so that I can get all these renders together for different people that are making us parts. Like we have some custom wheels being designed and rendered and engineered. We have some door panels being done for another customer's car. We recently had our G-Wagon product 3D scanned, our Skylight wow. project 3D scanned. So just getting all of that data, I guess we'll call it, information to the right people so that they can start doing what they're doing. And it's like, we'll get into it in this conversation, but it's it's a time-consuming <laughs> program. Like, it's, yeah. it's a bit of a process. So Awesome. Well, I'm excited to dive into that. But Yeah, and I think that definitely lends itself into the subject matter of today's podcast. What so, have you been up to, Rob? Yeah. Um, well, we finished everything that we were doing for the the Evil Evo, all the development that we were doing on that. We, nice. We got all that said and done, and I've been right back on the Skylark because it is a massive project, and we've been we got quite a bit farther along on that. We almost have the full trunk floor pan constructed and. We know. I think you're probably going to put together a pretty cool yeah. video for everyone to watch mm -hmm. on that. And in case you guys don't know what this project is, it's a 1500 horsepower, uh, fully custom Buick Skylark that we're building. 
and we're mm. pretty much building it from the ground up. It's on a roaster shop chassis, a spec chassis. And uh, yeah, but we pretty much bolted, or no, <laughs> not bolted. We welded the, the the chassis of the car to to the body. We're essentially turning it into a unibody. Unibody, yeah. yes. Yeah, because I mean, it's a convertible, so it uh, needs you know, the rigidity. We decided that we wanted to take it to that level, right? And, and, and with that decision, it just, we body dropped it and we did a bunch of things so i mean if you guys are interested in that you'll have to check out some of the videos yes on our full channel because yeah. uh yeah so if you're interested again we are trick factory customs you can check out the trick factory customs full youtube channel yeah. um and uh you can watch it and see what we've done to that car because we've gone into way more in depth uh in those videos and also before <laughs> before we dive in as well uh lambo update progress we did the turbo system think maybe next week we'll be able to get a tune into it and put some boost in it yeah yeah and if anybody doesn't know what we're talking about it's a it's a chevy tahoe chassis that we're body swapping a lamborghini urus onto okay. and we're doing it just for fun so we're having a good time doing it yeah it's been so but fun. we're kind of at a point right now in that bill where we're just turbocharging the the tahoe so we can melt the tires off of it and just you know enjoy that process of it before we start we chopping things off all off in the, on the full the body Tahoe. swap so yeah we're then, we're just getting the whole turbo system sort of dialed we're gonna then suspension mm, we're getting wild. long travel it's, suspension long travel suspension we have our first sponsor yeah. we have have suspensions is gonna yes. help us out with that yep their stuff is amazing it's gonna be a lot of fun so yeah all this talking about junk jumping this thing and it's like it's become a reality yeah oh, that's so really appreciate their their contribution to it so thank you guys what else do we need uh, i'd say one of the big things that we still need is probably seats okay so we need seats yeah, we got to come up with seats a lot of the other things i think we pretty much have most we of have it. wheels we have wheels, tires tires yeah we got a whole long wish list but if you think you got anything you can contribute just hit us up let us know we have one guy that reached out offers us a nitrous system for it Ooh. Yeah, nitrous right. system. Yeah, so it's getting oh. nitrous. So. Wait, but before or after, like, which, so which is going to blow it up first, the nitrous or the turbos? I think it's going to be the right foot. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it's going to be fun. interesting. It's we'll an LS, it man. It's never going to blow up. True. So Just add nitrous. Bulletproof, man. Add a supercharger on top, yeah. too. Yeah. Do you guys think it'll be drivable by the summer? Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Well, I mean, because, because this oh, build is just yes. for fun. And, you know, we, we talked a little bit about it before and we don't have to put so much attention to detail in certain things. Like literally all we're trying to do is just make a fully functioning vehicle that is safe, yep. but fun. Yeah. So it's then definitely going take it to shows. Gonna be drivable we're this summer. We're taking some car shows. Well, if we can get it there. Yeah, true. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's the be. other side of it is yeah. like, will it even be road worthy? Like, could we even drive it on the road? Like, you ask it for forgiveness when we get, later. When we get yeah. a little bit deeper into it, you guys will all understand why that might be a thing. Yeah. With that said, we have talked too much about the Lambo project. Now we're going to dive right into the topic of today, uh, which is, is traditional hot rotting dead? or dying um and has it been taken over by uh cad uh which is a computer aided mm. design um because recently you've you guys have had to deal with that a lot mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah yes. so uh who wants to start get started and jump right in you go ahead tim you're uh, you're kind of leading you're on the front lines of this i think it's definitely i think the expectations of our customers have almost forced us 
to adapt to technology. How do you mean? Choice. Because the end result, like what's available out there and how hard the high, how high the bar is now, like this stuff is pretty much OEM quality. If well, actually, some of it's actually better. When like, do you mean that? What do you mean? Like the mo the modified parts or like yeah, the, the custom parts? parts, the custom parts, and then just the overall fit and finish of the final product and what people's expectations are now are so high. And then to try to do that in a traditional way, there's just some things that I just don't even think you could accomplish by hand without an obscene amount of man hours. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. it would be insane. And like the stuff that you're seeing now is just so good. <laughs> like I just don't there's obviously still a place for traditional hot rodding and a lot of people really like it but our sort of customers and the people that are coming to us for now they want stuff that works that they can drive that has all the creature comforts and there's no weird considerations or corners cut like traditional hot rods like there was always like sure they look super cool but they weren't comfortable they didn't mm -hmm. work great they didn't handle great And by the time you got back, half the time you're exhausted. And you're like, I just, <laughs> the only reason you drove it on a Sunday is because like you needed another week to prepare yourself to drive it again. <laughs> so yeah. it's it's been a big big transition for us because it's like I say like the expectations are just so much higher and the fit and finish is the level of quality that some people are producing that we're obviously trying to emulate and participate in is you just can't do it without adopting all these technologies and then the convenience side of it is huge too like it's and trying to convey that to customers is like it's tough because like the misconception with a lot of this computer design stuff and cnc machines is like that it's instantaneous and in reality it's not it almost takes longer sometimes yeah. or it may take the same amount of time as traditionally hand making it but the end result is so much better so I, that's kind of what we've been Spending the last probably, I don't even know, year trying to adapt <laughs> and sift our way through and educate ourselves with all these different technologies and what are going to be best for us and mm -hmm. what we're going to be able to utilize the most, which makes sense financially, all these kind of things. So it's like, it's been a big learning curve. So traditionally, uh, like you guys have done all of the hot rod, the traditional hot rod stuff. Uh, so what is usually the process for that? It, for like traditional yeah traditional yeah, yeah yeah i mean you just, I, you just automatically <laughs> you automatically start thinking about like less less uh it's things are more handmade in mm -hmm. like say like that's where my mind takes me like traditional yep. hot is more handmade stuff like you know manually machining manually shaping sheet metal forming it shaping it and doing all of that stuff in a sort of a manual way. Yeah, I still feel like there is, when you were talking, it just gave me like a, a point, but I still feel like even though, yes, a machine can do a lot of stuff that people used to do before, or that's the, like yeah. traditional, like milling or all that stuff, the hand, there's still something about the hand aspect there's, or yeah, the there, imperfection there's there. Like yeah, a, there's there's like, a soul to yeah. the imperfection of, yeah. of the handmade yeah. product that is, is a wonderful thing to see. And you can't really, well, when you get into like, fully cnc machined bits and things like that it's so precise that there's almost no soul in it true but i don't think like the old school way of hot rod building is never gonna go away like even in today's time and going forward we're always going to be hand making stuff mm -hmm. like what tim was kind of saying is like we're just having to elevate all the doing. things yeah. so like there's always going to be handmade things so traditional hot rodding is in my opinion, it's not dead. It's being elevated and evolved. 
Really? Okay. So we're still having to blend the two of it. Like Rob spent all week hand forming <laughs> metal panels. Yeah. Then that's in an effort to give us a foundation to have the car 3D scanned and then start developing all these parts on the inside. But without that, without that foundation, without that structure, you wouldn't we wouldn't have anything. anything. Yeah. Because right. technology hasn't evolved to the point where we can start, I don't know, 3D metal printing fenders. Yet. Yeah. Like it's, <laughs> so, I mean, we're a ways away from that. Or at least I think I am. But so there's, and then that, that's, I don't know, like that soul that we keep talking about, like it's, I think it's a little bit going away, but at the same time, we have an entire demographic of customers that are just all about that. Yeah, I yeah. think it's so cool. I, I think the middle ground is kind of merging like both. they're choosing sides. Like mm. there's less of a middle ground, is, but so there's some guys that are just hardcore keeping it alive. Like mm -hmm. Oliver, he's very much about that okay. in traditional ways, doing all these things. And then you got other guys on the other side that are just, they want all the latest and greatest everything. Yeah. Yeah. And when, and when you're like in a world like today, when everything is almost instant, like sometimes people might think that, oh, you just 3D scan it, 3D model it, and yeah. you just print it out and that's it. We're, we're done. Well, yeah, and in some cases, some products are, but I mean, I think a big disconnect with that is that there's a lot of time taken in just developing <laughs> that on the screen mm -hmm. before you can even 3D print it or send it to a CNC mach you know, milling machine or lathe, whatever. And I mean, you got to, there's a lot of there's, time there's that goes into it. You're, 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 Cause it's not just speaking into a microphone. No, at, at, the <laughs> at chat GPT, I'm being like, design me a product you know no it's not like that you i mean you have to have actual dimensions and everything that you're building towards so there's a lot that goes so, into yeah, it like even traditional cncing is like there's a tremendous amount of measuring and gathering of information to even do that yeah so now the addition of 3d scanning has provided you a lot of those dimensions mm -hmm. but it's still a whole entire another process so you have to 3d scan it and then they got to create a mesh and then you got to start working off that platform. So there's all these different layers to get where you're going. And like, if you had a race and it's like, okay, Rob, you start over here and you hand make it. And then there's me that's like, okay, you 3D scan, design and <laughs> print it. We're probably going to get to the same place at really? the same time. Well, oh, it's like, and one, of the, one of the things that matters, like when you get to the finish line, Tim would be able to rec you know, replicate that over one. and over yeah. and over again. Yeah. And, and you're still I'd be like, hate life, you know? Like, oh, God, oh, please, no. don't. I don't want to do it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So for the one-off aspect, it's not really faster a lot of times. That's very interesting because but, traditional, like, I feel like, again, going back to today, what people think today is like, oh, you just knock it out. You just do the modeling and it's easy like it's it's easy it's not, and it's sometimes easy. sometimes if it's simple enough it is that easy mm. sometimes so now when do you guys know what is worth scanning or 3d printing or modeling in cad versus doing that like actual traditionally right and so like that just comes down to like the the craftsman's skill set is he is this person able to build it in a in a efficient and timely fashion versus going the full robot route you know yeah i think a lot of it comes down to like the subtle little like nuances of a part like it could be just a simple little deviation in the part that you can 3d print completely effortlessly but to put it into a metal part while during the fabrication process it's like it could take you hours mm -hmm. like literally hours or even so then you tend to 
dial back your vision a bit based on what it would actually take. Mm -hmm. Because you can develop a door handle. It looks super cool. You can print it, you know, in a couple of hours, but the hand shape of metal door handle is <laughs> take you all day. And then you go to the customer, like that's $900. And like, oh. yeah. <laughs> They'd be like, yeah, you can keep that. You can, that's your uh, door handle. Door handle now. <laughs> <laughs> so like, even just on that side of it, even if it's just to justify like proof of concept before the customer spends the $800 on the final product, it helps us eliminate a lot of that because we can design it come up with a concept, print it, and like, here you go, what do you think? And they're like, oh, wow, well, try yeah. look at it. Like, yeah, make it out of metal. And you're like, okay, well, it's gonna be $900. <laughs> like, okay, cool. Yeah. So it eliminates a lot of that. So it's like not necessarily a replacement for that, but it's like, it helps people make decisions. So like, we're on the front end of it with the 3D printing, because not a lot of that stuff is end use, but it eliminates a lot of steps, even with our customers and helping them visualize, because we've touched on it before. Like, I can see the end product before I've even made it. Mm-hmm. Whereas customers like, uh, I don't know what you just said to me. Yes. <laughs> so it helps eliminate a lot of that. And they're like, oh, cool. That looks great. Like, yeah, let's do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. it helps a lot in that respect. And then having to take that and eliminating the steps of having to hand make it is kind of where we're at now. Okay. And we're doing so much of it that we're having to start bringing it in-house now. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I, referring back to your point of not seeing the final vision but it's in your head <laughs> i've seen that happen before lots of times even with uh, brett and spencer at the shop because you like have this idea in your head and you're like oh just blah 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 do this and brett and spencer are like are you sure like is that gonna be <laughs> yeah. but but then when they do it then it's like oh my gosh so this is what uh this is what you meant uh, but with the addition of 3d scanning or even drawing with what you yeah. do with your ipad now yeah that I feel like has eliminated a lot of that, like, I don't know what this is gonna look like in the final stages yeah. as well. Yeah, it, it, like the the iPad thing just helps to get like ideas across really, really quickly, right? Mm-hmm. So from that point, you know, using Sketchbook on your iPad, get the idea, you know, on there, and then, then it goes even farther in that look. So then you can go ahead and, okay, well, let's scan this, let's import that let's let's start actually creating a surface start modeling something and then going even farther so that's where we're at now with our shop and what we're doing and like and our projects are elevating to a point where we have to like we have to like step up yeah and then transition in the shop is like we'll have customers come in like oh you guys didn't work on my car <laughs> <laughs> Because you're not there. You're not seeing someone swinging a hammer. So it's like that's been a bit of a transition trying to explain to them. And then you got to try to take that and educate them. Is like we got to do this step and then we got to do this step and then do this step. So it's like, like I say, there's still a bunch of time served, but sort of conveying that to the customer now. And then once they're involved in it, they get all super excited about it too. But they still think it's just like, yeah, make me a super cool console and away it goes. Like <laughs> we might be a year or two away from that with all this AI stuff, but right now we still got to come up with the initial concept, yep. provide all the dimensions, what it needs to do, all this type of stuff. But what's cool is the packaging of it, how well we can package it now by 3D rendering it and incorporating a lot of different things into the actual part that mm. wouldn't be before. So like we can print a console that has the air ducts in it, has wiring passages, has all this. So like cool. The mounting itself is already incorporated into the actual print. 
into the print. Yeah. So, so I'm not having to try to take a switch and make a bracket and do something like I can put the bracketry so right cool. in the print and just install the switch. And the cool yeah. part about it is you can also check for tolerances too. Yeah. And you can check for like if something is not going to be strong enough, which I think is amazing with 3D yeah, is you could section like you could go through the whole thing and be like, okay, this is going to be a part that's not structural enough, and mm -hmm. you can brace that. Yeah, that's like a whole nother thing. Is like SolidWorks allows you to test these things before you even make them to see if they're going to actually function the way you hope they do. And it'll show you where it has points of contact, where it's not strong enough. Mm -hmm. So it just elevates so it even cool. more. So yeah, because it's not really trial and error anymore. We already know it's going to work before we put it in the car. Yeah. So we're making it, we're building it, and we're developing it the way we would traditionally, just without all the back end picking people up from the side of the road and like, oh, sorry, that didn't work. <laughs> yeah, we can fix that, though, no problem. Yeah, but yeah. We eliminate all of that. And then go for a round two, because a lot of the times traditional hot rodding is you don't know if it works. You're, I mean, you know the traditional, okay, this is how I'm supposed to do this. But sometimes the part or whatever you're trying to design might encounter some other situation that you probably didn't even account for. Um, and so if something fails there, you now have to pretty much re-engineer what you did again and yeah. that adds to the amount of time as opposed to using a computer system or, or like a CAD computer design to actually like print or scan and test to see if it works or not. Yeah, yeah, you can print out whatever you want and just give it a try. Yeah. Like that was never a thing before. You had to make some, well, we'd just make like an ugly looking one. And yeah. you know, explain, like, this, this is not, not the final the part. part. <laughs> We're just checking clearances, doing these types of things. But I mean, this stuff was not attainable even five years ago. Wow. Like we had a brief conversation like 3D scan. You're like, oh my God, it's amazing. You're like, I wonder what that costs. You look, oh, quarter of a million. Okay, well, that's not for us. <laughs> yeah. But now you can get one for 500 bucks. Mind blowing. It might not be exactly to the level that we need, but you know, it's like $10,000 will get you one that's more than capable for what we need. Yeah, yeah. But then a CNC machine, traditionally they were, you know, half a million, million dollars. Now oh you can gosh. start seeing them on the used market for like 30. So that's a little more attainable. Same with 3D printers. You can get a 3D printer to just do proof of concept stuff for like 300 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> like that is so, yeah, the accessibility of things, I think, is just really cool to see where we've come in such a short amount of time. Because even now, like I, I was showing you, Rob, the freaking thing on my phone. Like I was, a phone has a LiDAR now. Yeah. And you can literally scan almost anything. It's not perfect, like you were just saying. Yeah. It's not perfect. There's a lot of, I mean, there's like imperfections that the high-end stuff that cost thousands mm -hmm. would fix. But the fact that you can technically do it, and even like photogrammetry, that's another. Yeah. If you don't know what photogrammetry is, photogrammetry is a way of you capture things in 2D photos, a bunch of photos of every new can cranny or cranny or if you're doing this cup now you take a picture like maybe like 50 to 200 pictures yeah. of this cup and then you put it into a program and then it converts it into a 3d model and so even that in itself is insane that your phone can do that yeah just it's, it's, it's at your fingertips <laughs> now yeah. so if you're not if you're not embracing technology you're a fool you're gonna get left behind mm -hmm. yeah like it's so. and then for us a lot of the things that we do is like we need like we've transitioned into like people want our parts. So now we have to embrace that because we need the repeatability. Yep. So it's like, like my little analogy of us, you know, going head to head. That first one is going to take probably the same amount of time to develop and produce, but his next one might get 10% faster. Mine's going to get 95% <laughs> faster. Yeah. 
So then on, you know, like yes. you can only get so fast and so good when you're working to a process like that, whereas the machines, and then even in, in discussions of purchasing machines, it's like they're shaving like seconds off each produced car. Crazy. Which then you start to do the math, like over the course of a year, that's, you got five, six, seven, nine hundred extra parts. Yep, it adds that up. That you produce that you're making money off of. So it's like, then there's so many levels to the technology. So right now it's like us just trying to find our place what's, makes the most sense for us mm-hmm. yeah because we're we're a full like a one-off sort of custom shop we kind of like essentially are prototyping you know every single thing that we do and so now embracing this technology allows us to make things that are you know way more complicated yeah you know and, and way more precise and really like as a business this technology we have to like fully come to grips with because the last thing we want to do is, you know, do a trial and error, like build a part and send it, you know, a customer breaks down. Now they've lost, you know, faith in, in your Our ability, shop, yeah. you know, and that's not just unacceptable. Like we don't want that. So everything that we're building is always going to be tried to be ele- elevated to a point where it's like super precise and just works. So like what- just straight up, it works. You know, and like we we have like an engineer in house now, so to to make sure that it's not going to fail, right? Because I mean, traditional hot rodding. If you think about what traditional hot rodding was, they'd take you know existing parts off of cars, other cars, or whatever, and they would implement them into whatever their build was. And it may not have been actually designed for that. So you're probably introducing stress loads into certain things that you know weren't designed for that so it's going to fail you're going to be on the side of the road broken down and that's that's not cool no you know some people may may say that <laughs> they love the, the romantic yeah. notion of <laughs> always wrenching on your car like yeah. that's not cool and our customers do not want that no because so we have to step up and that's good you mentioned that because it's almost a flip in the way people look at cars because we've talked about this in a previous podcast but now I feel like people actually want to drive their hot rods. They want to go. Mm-hmm. They, they don't want to. Yeah, they them. don't want to yeah. just go to only car shows or once a month or once a year. Right. They actually want to use these things. Yeah. So it's like that side of it is dead. So there's always going to be that built, not bought demographic. Like that's always going to be there. And it's like, that's super cool if that's what your hobby is. And you're willing to accept all these different circumstances and consequences of what you're doing. That's great. But some people just don't want that so and that's not like even me having done this for so long the worst possible thing to happen is be broken down like it just it is not part of hot rodding for me it is absolutely never <laughs> i know been. you dislike it a lot i don't think it's cool i don't like like you know me it's like that's not gonna work you need to fix that right away you're like oh no 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 it's fine it's gonna be fine I'm like, nope. And then I just, I wouldn't even ride with you. I'd be like, no, I don't got time to be broken down today. (laughs) So, and our customers are very much like that too. They just, they're willing to pay for it to be good. Yeah. So we have to be good. We have to get better to be able to provide them that product. And I mean, it's, it's a learning curve. Like it's a lot, especially how fast this stuff is progressing. So talk about the learning curve now, because I feel like it's something that you've almost had to jump. And so how has that been for you? going from the traditional route to this route and has it been i don't yeah like how has it been has it been discouraging encouraging like do you feel you're like oh my gosh there's so many things i need to learn about and you're well, i think that would probably be the most i wouldn't say stressful part about it but you have to have that sort of aptitude and that mindset because you're going to have guys that like 
all they do is make fenders and they make a living and they're content doing that. It's like very much like going back to Oliver, like we're doing a Delahaye for him and Ooh. and he's very much a part of that community. It's like we got one guy in the south of France that all he does <laughs> is this and he's content only doing that. Mm -hmm. But that's not me. Like I see stuff and I'm like, oh man, how did they do that? And I got to reverse engineer it. And it's like, we'll have discussions for hours. Like, man, we got to get one of those things. Yeah. This is, and then you're doing stuff after having seen that stuff. And you're like, this just doesn't even make sense anymore. <laughs> like, why are we doing this? We're literally killing ourselves. And when we could just do this. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's been a heavy learning curve. And then finding the people to fill those slots again is another, it's like a whole nother level to having a business because mm -hmm. I'm at an age and a place in my life where I can't, you have kids that have been doing this, like the amount, like they do it intuitively because they've been through the entire process. Yes. So for me to go back and try to do it, like I need to have an understanding of it, but it's not something that necessarily I have the time to invest in. So now I have to invest in a person that we've brought in that's like, Half the time, I don't even know what he's talking about. It's just so, yep, like, yep, <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. 100%. Can you make this? It needs to look like this. So I have an understanding of the technology and the limitations of it, but it's like to fill in those gaps. So it's like, it's a very different, like the shop is a very different place. Mm. Like it's not just a bunch of hammer swingers <laughs> hanging around, drinking beers and making hot rods. And you know, like now we that. make creme brulee. Yeah, we make creme brulee. Mm. We got mechanical engineers, we got 3D printers, <laughs> we got all this kind of stuff. And it's like, it's a very different place. Like you got guys building crazy stuff and they never get their hands dirty. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, it's, it's wild time right now. Because the remembering of part that you just did, uh, I th what car was the Thunderbird? the dash that you made, like you're making everything out of metal mm -hmm. and out of like uh, steel. So if you could take it, not take it back, but if you could do it again, would you do still do that? It looks awesome. It looks amazing. But would you still do that out of sheet metal or this would you give it to someone? What it is, is to design, not to cut off his thing, but it's like, it doesn't make sense to computer render this because we're never the likelihood of ever doing that again is almost zero. Mm. So I think you've got to pick and choose. So very much like our 190 projects and like muscle car projects, there's a lot of potential for that to carry over. Okay. So then it makes sense to render it because you're going to have that repeatability and slight modification to have it fit another format. Mm -hmm. Whereas the, of course there's gonna, like that traditional hand forming that he did. It looks amazing, but How many of those are we actually going to sell? <laughs> That's true. Like this. Yeah. And I, if for me I, to answer your question, yep. Elvis, I would say that that would be one of those kind of parts where I would say scan this and let's 3D print it. Really? Okay. Yeah, the whole dash, the whole center console, I would say scan it, render it or scan it, you know, model it and then 3D print the whole thing. Wow. Okay. Versus me hand making it mm. because that that's one of those kind of examples where you're hand making sheet metal or you know metal to fit within a cavity of something that isn't very precise and it needs to be precise when it's all done so that means there's going to be lots yeah. of like little indiscrepancies in yes. like the dimensions and things are changing you know and i can hand make it like i did mm -hmm. but that's it, a really it good took point, me though that i overlooked it it, it took me a long time to do it And, and, and only because it had to fit within something. Yes. That was a constraint. Was really, really hard. Um, yeah. So I would say, yeah, scan it, model it, print it. And <laughs> even if it was a one-off, 
it's it just, might it, it's honestly just, be worth it's it. It's just, just part of the process. Scan. Yeah. I yeah, think probably I, in that particular vehicle, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, like, I would right. say that that would be the smart just because plan it's that. not good. <laughs> and really, the only reason why we didn't do that, Elvis, is because we're still adapting yeah, we're still learning to, to this yeah. this this time in this arena. And like Tim was saying, we're trying to figure out what you know machines and which way we want to go, and the investment and all these things. So we know that that's something that we want to do. So we're we're playing that card and we're getting a big scale 3d printer and we have a, we have a scanner now and we're doing all of these things so so that I don't have to hand make something like that. That's Mm -hmm. very labor intensive, even if it's a one-off. Yeah, it makes sense. I agree. (laughs) In that situation, like there's some things that are always going to be faster to hand make, but something like that, because that car is just not to take anything from the car, but they're not that good. Mm. So like, me and my mindset, we're making everything, so we make it good and then build off of that. So mm-hmm. what we're building from is perfect, or as close to perfect as we can get it. Whereas like that thing can be a quarter inch different from one side to the next. Yeah. yeah. So you build this perfect symmetrical part and put it in there. You're like, oh, I gotta get this. Because like- <laughs> yeah, like, the dash is like got some janky. That's foam a very good like, point. So yeah. for that, it would definitely 100% eliminate a lot of that trial and error. Yeah. And like that fitment, because it's like, okay, now do we move? the cluster or do we move the dash yeah whereas normally we build the cluster and like okay this needs to look like this but we know this is perfect then we start building off of that but we can't in that we're making a part that needs to fit inside of an existing part and those cars just aren't good yeah and so with that is like if we went the route of doing the scan and the print on that it would have opened up my schedule to be able to do things that were more important Mm. better suited to what my actual skill set is instead of that you know, like we could have somebody else on staff that was doing all of that. Well, I could say, I want it to look like this and I want to use all of these products in that. Put it all in there. Show me what you rendered. Send it, you know, and I could be building something else more important. But uh, going back to your point you just made, telling someone or to do it, um, how do you trust like their, I don't know, creative vision as well like well, if you're not doing it yourself thing right like yeah you don't just blindly say make whatever it's like talking into the machine like you don't do that like obviously tim and i've been doing this for a long time trick factory customs is what it is because of the aesthetic that we've created and you know that's what people actually come to us yeah. for now you know they they trust that what we gonna that we're gonna make is gonna work you know, and they like the style that we've created. So bringing someone on staff and just saying, yeah, just make whatever, you know, if, if their design aesthetic doesn't match what we want it to see. Which is a lot of that translation that I've, we were discussing earlier, me going back and forth with the person that's rendering it because they don't know what it needs to look like. So even just on the design side, we have to build up a rapport as to what our aesthetic, aesthetic is. is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like very much like the G wagon guy this morning, having a conversation with him, it's like, well, you just do what you do. Like I trust you. <laughs> you have great taste. I'm like, okay. He's, Cause he already cool. knows that. Yes. We don't have a history of building ugly shit. Yeah. That's pretty awesome though. Or at the very least he wants to see what my interpretation of what I would do. And then a lot of times we'll meet in the middle or it's a lot of times it's like, yeah, that's awesome. Let's do that. That's way better than what I was thinking. But sometimes it's like, mm, 
maybe that's a little too labor intensive. Like, let's just dial it back and we do something like this, yeah. which is perfect. So to go back to the original point, I spend a lot of time just going back and forth with the render guy because he's like an amazing 3D modeler, but he doesn't build cars necessarily, yes. he models, whatever. So then trying to find somebody like there's all these amazing guys out there that have created an aesthetic like 3D Magic Mike and like all so these guys. Cool. Like they're epic, like literally epic, but he's created an aesthetic that you could go to him for and you know kind of what you're going to get. Whereas yes. a lot of these 3D modeling guys, their jobs, like they've done their training in an effort to get to work for like Tesla or aerospace or Apple, like their product design. So they don't necessarily have an aesthetic, an aesthetic for cars. It's mostly just function. Right. So then I have to go back and forth, back and forth. So I'm still working and spending time on these customers' projects, but it's not in a traditional format. Like they want to come in and see you swinging a hammer and sweating and being dirty. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, it's like nothing, 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 nothing. And then, right. oh, 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 it's done. It's done. Awesome. <laughs> well, and even still, like, even if they are like a formally trained automotive designer, that doesn't necessarily mean that what they're going to design is exactly what you want your project to look like. True. So we have to we have to give them that information. Yeah. So I have to like, you know, like the customer wants it to look like this. Like, yes, that looks great. Thank you. But he wants it to look like this. Yeah. So then it's like a lot of going back and forth and translation between the two things and sort of creating a vibe and then away you go. But it's just time consuming. So it's not it's not a super fast process. And it's a lot of trial and error. And a lot of times it's like what they'll send back is like, you didn't necessarily think of that. Or sometimes they'll make it even uglier. And you're just like, what? <laughs> like, but then it's on me for not maybe giving all the details that I need. Yes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, giving them all the information. So then it's like, you got to be really, you know, and sometimes it gets to a point where it's like, you almost may come across insulting because it's like no do this and then this and then this mm -hmm. and then you show it to the customer and away you go so yeah it's so that's kind of like why we've adapted well we're trying to adapt to this whole you know modern hot rodding sort of thing and that's why the sketchbook program is what it is because it helps us sort of get some ideas visualize across. what it's gonna like, look like at least get somewhere close to what this is you know and it kind of eliminates a lot of the misinterpretation and then it's just like and then like having a design is only like a partial of what building any kind of yeah. hot rod is i mean the thing still needs to function and be engineered well, like that's the like there's there's always going to be a battle between engineering and and artistic creation <laughs> so i'd you know, say like, that's like that's the classic whatever like geneva auto show where they bring out the thing and then it's like okay now we got to make a function <laughs> so like we yeah. can draw a sketch and be like yeah that looks sick concept versus like, reality concept, and it's like okay now we got to make it work this is where we have to make it work mm -hmm. so what's behind the fender what's in there what does it have for structure and then it's like now we got to make a way for it to attach to the vehicle so it's like oh we can't necessarily have an opening as aggressive like that because if we do now you can see the mounting all the mounts show, yeah. and all this kind of stuff so there's all these different layers that people don't really mm -hmm. think of like they just look at the surface but then we, as the builders, have to go like five layers below that to make it actually function. Yeah. yeah. And then once you get to that point, we still got to create a mold and make the actual part. Mm -hmm. So it's it's a lot of work. Yeah. So. so I think like the old world way of hot rod building is kind of, it's not going to work that much anymore. Like you need to think so much deeper into things nowadays and with a level of, you know, 
craftsmanship and quality that everybody is striving for now, like they should be at least, then I don't think the old way, the old way just can't cut it anymore. You can't do it fast enough. And there's too many other things to consider. And like the technology, even in like drive trains and suspension, tire technology, and oh, just yeah. everything is so much better now and so much more capable that if you don't utilize technology to make quality stuff that can handle all of that, well, I think you're toast. A big part of it is like probably up until I'm going to say the mid 90s. Cars okay. sucked. <laughs> they were Actually, not very good. They were not good. Yeah. But now cars, modern cars are so good. They're so good. So comfortable. They drive so well. They function so well that like the the transition from your hot rod to your daily driver. Oh my like, gosh. You're just like, that thing's horrible. It's mind blowing. I don't want to drive it. It's funny because <laughs> we were just having this conversation a while back, but it's like my, my Datsun. I mean, I have ruined it, but it's even from whenever i drove it when i bought it it was not a great driving car like it's antiquated no. like you feel because i started driving my Datsun very frequently and we made it my daily driver so i almost forgot what uh a modern car feel, feels like and so i just i just bought another car way more modern uh and uh now i'm like oh my gosh i don't want to drive this Datsun anymore <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> like, why was i trying to kill myself like in the car like when you're driving it's like you have the this way the suspension reacts to bumps you have so many extra things that the new stuff i think adds when compared to the old stuff not even, in even including power like just driving dynamics that yeah, they've so nailed that's, that's made that's what's pushed the hot rodding before like because up until now you had a hot rod or a muscle car and you're comparing it to your 92 pontiac whatever <laughs> it wasn't even that much better than what you had no. like it was it wasn't good but now it's stuff is just so nice so you good. get in and it's like you can almost relax and take it easy like yeah. it feels like a vacation in there That's and then you get into some old gas smelling <laughs> horrible driving thing that's trying to kill you at every turn it's just not enjoyable so. that's why i also but, think sorry to interrupt you but that's why i also think the future of hot rodding for me is body swapping old and modern maybe this is another topic for another time but to a certain extent i would agree with you elvis but a testament to the technology we can create the links between modern stuff and the older stuff True. a lot easier and a lot faster so we don't necessarily need the body swap because we can create that structure now at a level that's crazy that we can incorporate modern drivetrains mm. into this old stuff yeah yeah i think that's that's exactly right like body swapping is kind of like just it's like a one of the, one of the <laughs> one of the stages within but like tim was just talking about if you just build a whole chassis from scratch with today's tech you know, proper engineering, geometry, everything dialed, it's going to be better than it was if you just did a body swap. Because the body swap, no, no, the, the body swap is only as good as the platform you put it on. True. So, and, but, so, Plus, and, you can be eliminating that, a lot of different parts that are inherent to that car that makes it what it is. I see. You cut the roof off, which is a stressed member of the vehicle, you cut <laughs> pillars out, and then you go put some, like, I had a customer in here wanting to put, like, a, what was that thing, a Morris Minor? Yeah. Onto another chassis. Yes. There's literally no structural integrity to that car. 
So you're going to take your car, your good car, turn it into a skateboard, remove all the strength, <laughs> and then you're going to put this feel- shell of a, it's basically a wagon with doors on top of it. Yeah. It's I still feel- not going to be great. This is enough. This is actually, we can probably talk about this next week because we've run out of time. <laughs> but yeah, I think this is a really good topic for if you wanted to talk about it, let us know in the comment section below of uh, if we should talk about body swaps because I have some strong opinions on this subject. <laughs> mm. So <laughs> I think that would be a really good podcast. So you guys yes. make sure you comment. Awesome. I think that's it. Do you guys have anything else to add before we uh, end it? Sweet. Well, Embrace technology. Don't get yes. left behind. Awesome. Make friends with the robots. Cause they're coming, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're coming, they're coming for you. <laughs> yeah, oh my gosh. to be on their side when you guys... <laughs> <laughs> that's it thank you guys so much for watching this uh, week's episode if you like this video give it a thumbs up uh, I'll also rate this the podcast on any podcast platform you're listening to so we can move up in podcast rankings or ratings and uh, yeah we just made it into what in Great Britain Great Britain it, it, yeah so Great Britain what what are we ranking there now well, I don't know how far they rank but we're number 39 in Great Britain that hello mates hello I mind. don't know what my British accent is but <laughs> <laughs> Yes, thank you, thank you, Br- Br- Britonians, Britons. <laughs> I don't know what you call <laughs> the English. Yeah, the English. Yes, yeah, for yes. for liking this podcast, and we will see you next week. Bye. Bye.